Coming up, I'm going to tell you five ways to start guarding your time by saying no. And then, the United Auto Workers strike could cost our economy $5 billion in counting, and I'll explain why and why unions are bad. Let's go. Helping you win at work by helping you see what's wrong with the matrix of work. Helping you see the type of work that allows you to use what you do best, to do what you love, to produce results that matter to you. More money, more meaning is the result. Let's get to it. Five thoughtful ways to say no, to put some actual thought into it. So essentially you have these five ways of saying no, essentially in a tool belt, all right? So I don't know if, if anybody know what a tool belt, tool belt is, but uh, I grew up, my dad was, used to build and my father-in-law is a custom home builder, so... You know, they have these leather tool belts, and they put it on just like a belt. It's got buckle the whole nine. Well, it doesn't have a buckle, I guess. I guess it does. Uh, but it's got all these pockets on it. And in this tool belt, I mean, they've got everything from a pencil to a level, some little, you know, square thing they do to a to a uh, a measuring tape. They've got the hammer hanging off the side. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. And so I want you to think about freedom in your life attached to a very powerful word that we don't use enough. No. Now, you say it like that, that's already freaking some of you out. There's some people, there's a guy in the front row watching the lobby right now, he started laughing like I'm telling a joke. I get it because it makes you uncomfortable. You know, you just somebody asks you to do something, you look at them and you go, no, that's horrible. You awful human being. How dare you be so rude? But why do we think that? At the end of the day, if it's truly an option, I'm deciding whether or not I'm going to say yes to your request. Then if it's my option, and there are times, we don't have an option. So I'm not speaking about that today. But I'm talking about personally and professionally, When you do have the option, we always tend to lead towards the yes because we're so worried about the confrontation that may or may not exist when we say no. If you want more freedom, less stress, more opportunity, learn the power of no. So, because I know that most of you are like our audience member who was like, ooh, easy, man, easy with the no, easy, man. That was a little rude. I'm going to give you five ways to say no. And I'm going to tell you why this is important. If you don't say no, I promise you someone else is going to say yes for you. Now, you might be the one that says yes, but let's be honest, they've decided that you need to say yes and because you don't have a freaking backbone. Because you don't have a process that makes the backbone stiffer, you're going to have someone else say yes for you. Now, before I dive into this, I don't want you to skip what I'm saying. I'm not in a bad mood this morning. You know, I didn't wake up, you know, grumpy. I'm just telling you, I've had to learn this lesson. And I see so much data out there. I reported on the show, people are burned out, they're stressed out. Busy, busy has become a label, and we just think we got to say yes to everything, yes to every request that our teenagers ask. I got three teenagers, one of them drives. Let me tell you something. Sometimes they say no. They say why? I go because I'm not an Uber driver. I want to sit here and watch golf. That's why. I'm very comfortable right now. My butt 
is comfortable. Literally, it's comfortable. It's I like where it's sitting. I want to watch golf. I'm really into this. I want to go now. This is not my problem. I'm just telling you, this happens in everyday life, parents. Endless parties, endless birthday invitations, soccer, football, basketball, all the things. you got to say yes to it all the time. No, you don't. All right. So now I've set the problem. Some of you are stressed out right now. You're looking at your week ahead. This doesn't even take into account your coworker asking you to do something, your boss asking you to do something, and you feel like you got to say yes all the time. Well, you don't, but we're going to have to build this muscle for saying no. So here we go. So think of this as personal and professional. Because when you don't say no, let me tell you what's happened. You've lost control of your time and your priorities. Ooh, who wants to live a life where you don't have the time you desire and the priorities leading your life? That's a that is a rudderless life, folks. No thanks. Here we go. It's just the way I worded these. Get the spirit of it. One way to say no. I've got another commitment. So essentially, you've already said yes to something else. I think it softens the blow. Oh, oh, you can put a little drama in it if you want to. I'd really like to say yes, but I've already said yes to this. I've got another commitment. Sorry, I've committed to something, and I can't commit to both. I've said yes to something else. I love that approach. Second, I would love to, or I would like to in the future, do you have another possibility? Well, that's a fun one, too. I'm saying no, but I'm kind of saying not yet, right? Got another option for me? This happens a lot for me. People want me to be on their show, on their podcast, uh, things of that nature. And sometimes my schedule is predetermined. I can't do it. I can't do it on this date. Can we Can we do this date? Can you give me three or four other options? That's a bandwidth issue. Owning bandwidth. By the way, responsible, mature people understand bandwidth. I've only got so much in this block of time. Can you give me something else? All right, next. I'm honored, really grateful that you thought of me. Uh, I'm. I'm not. The, I don't think I'm the best fit for that. What? Yeah, you could say that. People have asked me to 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 do a speaking engagement before on a certain topic, and I go, you know what? I am really honored that you'd want me to speak. But if you want me to speak on something else, you know, and more in my lane, that's great. But you know, that's not my thing. I, I think there's some other people that are better fit. In fact, I got a couple ideas. Now, again, I'm using this in, in, in my examples, but also for you to see. You know, somebody asks you to do something, you just go, you know what? I don't think I'm best for that. Hey, we'd really like to for you to volunteer to be chairman of this committee. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a hard pass, but because uh, I just am not very organized or whatever. Tell the truth, but you're deflecting more towards you aren't a good fit. Here's another one. I don't say yes to those requests and here's why so the other day i get this request probably about 10 15 times a year kim will you endorse my book will you write a forward of the book and most of the time my answer is no and it's and it's i don't want to create this precedent where i'm writing forwards for books if i say yes to this person and i say no to this person and they meet each other and that could happen in my world it's a very small world and i don't want to piss somebody off because I went, no, I don't want to write a forward for that book. I think it's a crappy book. 
I can't say that. I can't go, well, your, your book title's crappy. It looks like a piece of crap. I, I don't want to attach myself to that. Well, that's a jerk move. Nothing, nobody wins with that. So what do I do? I go, you know what? I'm going to eliminate that. I'm going to say no. And here's why I say no to that request. I'm so sorry. I can't say yes to that. I had to do one of those the other day. By the way, that's been done to me before. Number five, the last one. There are a lot of reasons to say yes. But I, I need to say no. And it's personal. It's private. I wish I could say yes. A lot of good reasons. But um, I, I'm going to have to pass. And so those are five ways to be very honest, to take control of the narrative, and say yes to the life you want to be living, and no to something that distracts you from it. Bringing common sense back to the conversation, I'm Ken. This is the Ken Coleman Show. We're talking about the area of work. It's the number one area of your life that you spend time in. And it ought not be just something that you go, well, I just got to show up and do it and piss away all that time. I want you to be on purpose. If you're joining the show via YouTube, would you like the video or videos you're watching? Would you... uh, Subscribe to our channel here on YouTube and then share as well. And if you're listening via podcast, give us a follow, a five-star review, and share as well. All right, so in the headlines, we just got through, we averted, if you will, the crisis with UPS, one of the largest unions in the country, UPS. They closed the deal. I said they would. And most of the time, uh, you see these union fights get settled because honestly, it's an absolute freaking disaster if both sides don't figure it out. So you you fill in the blank, company ABC, and then the union. And if they don't figure it out, it can be a real mess. And that's part of the problem. So I want to inform you folks today because there, we're seeing in America, we're seeing some of the data, if the data can be believed, can be believed. That unions are growing in popularity, certainly among young people. We see all this with Starbucks, you know. And again, God bless young people. They don't know what they don't know. I was young once, so I'm not banging on this young generation. I'm not. I, I, know, I know that sounds very boomery. But when I was young, I didn't know what I didn't know. And it's a wonderful thing, okay? But I'm just going to tell you something. You need to understand why unions are bad for our economy and bad for you. And some of you are going, oh, wait a second, I work for union uh, 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 section 3719 down there, and it ain't been good for me. Hey, listen, I'll acknowledge all of it, but I'm going to give you a union 101 that anybody can understand because you, the people, need to know why unions are bad and how they affect all of us. Okay? All right. But first, in the news here, I'm holding a Fox Business article. Uh, the United Auto Workers is deciding to strike against the big three, or at least they plan to, they want to, according to their their president, which I'll read from this genius here in a moment. Um, they want to strike against the big three Detroit automakers when the current contract expires next month. Now, here's what uh, the Anderson Economic Group, a Michigan-based think tank, specializes in this stuff of labor strikes and what it could mean. You ready for this? Their conservative number is it could cost the economy 
$5.6 billion if the strike goes 10 days. $5.6 billion. Now, some of you are going, well, Ken, the Hollywood writers and all the Hollywood types have been on strike for months and months and months. But listen, if you ever wondered how important Hollywood was to our country, now you know, because nobody gives a crap. And I'm not, I'm not in any way saying it's not a big deal for the writers and actors. I'm just saying, you look at the news, and is it affecting our economy? Not very much. You want to know why the Oscar ratings are so low over the last several years? Nobody gives a crap. So, some unions are far more important on our economy than others. And you start talking about UPS, you start talking about, we're talking about packages being delivered, you talk about cars being made, whoa, massive deal, all right? So, so that's what it could do over 10 days. Now, this figure is made up of, of two things. I want you to make sure you get this. Manufacturer losses, so those are the actual car makers, they would lose about $989 million in that scenario. And then direct wages to people who make money. Hello, folks. They're living off of the car industry. Nine hundred, excuse me, $859 million. Now, this does not take into consideration strike pay, which that comes out of the union's funds, all those dues, unemployment benefits, unemployment taxes, income taxes, government spending or settlement bonuses. That's enough to make you want to puke. billion plus, 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 plus. All right, so let's get into the story. Uh, The union's current contract expires September 14th. UAW President Sean Fain. This guy, he's the latest in a line of mob bosses. I'm sorry, union bosses. did Did that slip out? Did I say mob boss? Oh, boy. I meant union boss. He's the latest in a long line for the very, you know, historic auto workers union, United Auto Workers. And he did a Facebook Live, and uh, this is what this genius said. If we want to make progress at the bargaining table, we need to show the companies that it's not just talk. He calls the demands, which I'm about ready to unveil to you, his words, the most audacious and ambitious list of proposals they've seen in decades. He's banging his chest. Oh, yeah, man. I'm in charge, and I've got the most audacious demands ever. The most ambitious. Look at me. The main point of contention is what it always is, is higher pay for union members. The union is seeking more than 40% general pay raises for rank-and-file members over four years, making all temporary workers at the automakers permanent. Cost of living adjustments, increases in pension benefits for current retirees, and restoring pensions for new hires. Now, all that sounds great to those of you who are uninformed. And when I they put this stuff out on YouTube and social media and people come after me, the snowflakes, they love to kill me. Oh, you're sitting behind your fancy desk and you're blah, 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 this. And you don't, No, listen. The union is trying to mandate that temporary workers become full-time. That's not the union's call. That's the company's call. Do you have to like it? No. But here's what happens. This ends up coming back to hurt you snowflakes who attack me for talking about 
basic economics. You don't get to reinvent economics. You don't. It's like me going, I don't like how hot the sun is. I think we need to change it. You don't get a say. That's up to God, you morons. Now you say, well, I don't like our system. Great. Go live in Venezuela. Go live in Cuba. Go live in Russia. Go. Go live in a socialist economy or even worse, a communistic economy. Fantastic. Go to China. They'd love to have you there. Go. Seriously. Go. Like, I would like to pack your bags for you because you don't understand what this kind of nonsense does. Now, why are these audacious demands dangerous? Because they endanger a company's ability to make decisions for the future. Auto workers, let me just tell you where the auto, let me just, some of you uninformed people, I'm actually going to explain this to you. Because all you see is the emotion around everybody deserves this pay. You don't think. I'm going to teach you how to think. Now, what would be the number one issue facing auto companies right now? Okay, some of you geniuses got it. The rest of you didn't. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's electric cars. So you think about the investment that car makers are going to have to, to make to move everything to electric cars because that's where this is headed. Right, wrong, different, indifferent. That's where it's going. So when you start demanding that companies, they take their strategic plans and they've been doing it for decades, you say, you got you to give us this, 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 and this. It's going to increase all of your cost. Two things happen. The first thing that companies do, whether you like it or not, is they pass on the cost to you. You know why cars cost so much now? Because of this kind of union crap. It's a fact. And it gets to a point where a car company or any company can't pass the cost on to the customer because the customer goes, screw you guys. I'm not paying that. Then what happens? Jobs get cut, and eventually they shut down. Again, folks, I know this hurts some of your tender feelings, but that's economic 101 lesson for you today. So why are unions so bad? Their whole mix is we're going to offer a better path to the future for the workers, their workers, but they end up cutting jobs because only union workers keep the jobs. They end up driving up the price for all of us, which affects our household expenses and even our jobs. They ought to abolish unions and let capitalism run its course. All right, let's go to Boise, Idaho for a little coaching session with Kyle. Kyle, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hi, Ken. How are you today? I'm living the dream, Kyle. What's going on with you? Oh, well, I'm just trying not to work too hard, but also <laughs> do everything I can. How's that working um, out? That's working All right. slowly. Okay. But um, my problem is, is I've been in the trades almost my entire life. Um, I've done plumbing, I've done um, carpentry, I've done a little bit of electrical, I've done fire sprinklers, and I really like working in the trades. I like working with my hands, I like um, being around building new things, Yeah. 
But my problem is, is I can't find that niche. I can't find what my passion is in the trades, what I'm supposed to be working out. Hmm. Now, when you say that, when you told me you like working with your hands, and so you're saying when you've done plumbing, electrical work, carpentry, uh, you've liked it, but it, but you knew there was something else. You, you felt like there was something else that really gave you joy. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Exactly. And I've worked in non-construction um, fields before, and I really, I mean, I love working with people, but I feel like construction's more something my speed, but I still don't know what in construction I'm supposed to be doing. What kind of so when you did carpentry or construction work in the past, what did you like most about it? Um, I liked being outside, uh, not sitting down. I've, like I said, I've worked jobs in the past where I've sat in a cubicle basically and ran operations of a store. But um, I like being outside, getting work, actually working with my hands, working with okay. people and trades and what machines. Kind of, what kind of so there's a so you love working with people, but you also like working with your hands. That's what I'm yeah. hearing you say. Yep. So it feels like to me, if you're doing something with your hands that has a decent amount to good amount of people interaction, you'd be a pretty happy camper, yeah? Yeah. So I think you know the answer to this. I think hmm. you do. So let's have some fun. Now, you've got to suspend all disbelief for a moment. you just got to let your heart answer this question. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? Does that make sense to you? Yes, I All think right. so. I don't want you to think. And by the way, I've done this I've done this over seven thousand times live on the air. I can hear when someone's thinking. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off if I start to hear that brain go and grinding. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. All right. Let's say that tomorrow I give you twenty to thirty percent bump. This is just to get your brain to shut off. I give you plenty of money. Okay. And I say, I want you to describe the day. I'll give you the money, but you want, but I want you to tell me what you're doing tomorrow. And you get to snap your fingers, and the opportunity is there, and you're doing it. You're working with your hands outside, and you got a pretty good quotient of people time. What are you doing tomorrow, Kyle? It's hard not to do the thinking part, but... No, you already answered it. Your brain already selected an idea or two while you said, it's hard not to do the thinking part. That was you delaying. Your brain automatically came up with an image. What was it? Um, Something to do with like plumbing or piping. So that's what your brain came up with as soon as I asked you. Yep. Uh-huh. But you've done but you've done plumbing work before and you said, Well, I just I haven't found my haven't found my passion yet. So what about the plumbing work before didn't give you what you call the passion you're looking for? Um What was missing? Partially the people. Uh-huh. Maybe. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um Sir like the job I'm in now, it's not plumbing, but I love the people. When I was doing plumbing or fire sprinklers before, it was um, days there I worried that, uh, you know, I would be even hurt at work by the people because I wasn't keeping up with things or certain things like that. Okay, so let me let me stop you right here. I'll make sure I'm hearing you. When you were doing plumbing before, which is exactly what you identified would be the thing you do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 
you you enjoyed the plumbing part, the work part, that you were fascinated by it, enjoyed it, challenged by it, but the people you did it with, you didn't feel safe, wasn't a good situation. Right. But what about the customers themselves? What was that interaction um, like? I didn't deal with, I did more commercial, so okay. I didn't deal with customers very much. All right, let me paint a picture for you. And I want you to edit this little story. You ready? You edit it once I'm done. So my wife, Stacy Coleman, calls you. She says, Kyle, the sink is plugged. It's clogged up. I can't do anything. Ken's poured eight bottles of liquid drainer down. It's not helping. He's clueless. He's one level above a moron. He can't fix it. It's wrecking our life. Or the laundry room is leaking. Ken can't fix it. He's a total just doofus when it comes to this. I need help. And she goes, all right, Stacy, I'll be right there. And you run over the house. She greets you with a huge sigh of relief and a smile and thanks you profusely as you run into the room. You get out your tools. You start fixing everything. You fix it. And when she gets done, and when you get done, she's like, oh, my gosh, I just texted Ken. I told him he's, he's so grateful. We're so grateful. You changed our life. We would have never been able to figure this out. You saved us thousands of dollars because you were quick, because you were thorough. How, how does that make you feel? Actually, it sounds pretty good. Like, I would be helping people, but still using tools to work with my hands and yeah uh finishing a project yeah let's be honest my wife and i've been married 25 years she loves me i love her but who's she happier to see that day you or me Uh, me yeah yeah Yeah. i mean it's not even close like that's pretty valuable and so i would tell you my friend that there's something about plumbing the intricacy the challenge it challenges your brain you got to use your hands and your brain but it also allows you to serve people and truly change their life in that moment. Yes? Right. Yep. So I think it's I think it's getting back in the trades. Let me tell you something, my friend. You can make a truckload of money as a plumber and eventually, mm-hmm. hey, go work for somebody else. Let them pay you well to learn the craft. Maybe one day you start your own company. You're a small business owner working for you. Uh, but you've got a real heart for people. And so, you know, when any tradesman comes into your home, that's a very personal thing. Right. And especially in crisis and with plumbing, there's a high rate of crisis involved with that. True? Yes. Oh, baby. I mean, there's customer service and then there's customer care. And I would put plumbing up at a notch higher than customer service. And I would call that customer care because people are freaked out, man. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. So... I don't want to oversimplify it, but I think it's it's this simple. You just were doing it with a bunch of bad actors before, and I think it was more corporate. Maybe you were in a shop or something. You weren't out among people serving people. And, dude, there is such a need for plumbers right now. This is a function of you just getting out there, making sure you got all the certs and everything you need, and make sure you're in the consumer serving side. Okay. That's your niche. Whether it's plumbing or electrical work or HVAC work, your niche is using your your brain and your hands to right. solve problems for people. That was that's what I would in in a, in a quick sentence say. That's your purpose at work. Would you agree with that? Yeah. How's that feel? I think I heard it smile. I think I heard it. 
it, it sounds and it feels really good, but I, I, it makes me nervous that I am just jumping into another field. You're not jumping into another field. The last four or five minutes, we just figured out this isn't you flighty dealing with bad pizza and heartburn last night. This is core to who right. you are. Do you agree with that or not? Yeah, you're right. So let me just tell you something. You're not you're not nervous because you're jumping back and forth. You're nervous about committing. You're nervous about the changes you need to make in your life to get there. And that's okay. Is that fair? Yeah. You're going to have to make some change at some point. Now, you have two options. You either decide to make this change and go do work that matters deeply to you, and it changes your entire life, your mental health, physical health, emotional health, financial health, or you can go, well, I'm nervous about change, and I'm just going to accept suck for a little longer. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.